What's it like to meet with the uh, you know, Episcopacy Committee is a committee, I think, that what they sign bishops, right? Mm-hmm. And so when you're retiring, which you're retiring at the end of this year, that meeting just got to be coffee and donuts, right? Well, it, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, basically. <laughs> I'm John Steve. This is Pod Have Mercy. Russell, this is Pod Have Mercy. Well, you know, uh, on this podcast, we've done this now for a couple of years. It's called Pod Have Mercy, and it was all about <laughs> spirituality and faith intersecting outside the walls of the church in non-traditional ways. And then COVID came and racial issues and, and church issues and denominations. So we just do all sorts of stuff. Yeah. And it just so happens that this week, all over the U.S. and I think in some other places around the world, are these things called jurisdictional conferences, which if you're a United Methodist, like geeky nerd, you know yeah. what that is. Yeah. And if you're not, it's nerd just, week for it doesn't United matter. <laughs> the only thing you need to know is that that's where they elect the bishops. Yeah, it's a big and thing. It, and so we're blessed to have two bishops with us. One is my former bishop before she retired, Bishop Janice Huey, who now is working with the TMF, Texas Methodist Foundation. And... Bishop Gary Muller from Arkansas, right? Mm-hmm. Serving in Arkansas. And so what was interesting is like um, Bishop Muller wrote a, uh, this, this really fascinating piece. And so I wanted to talk to him. And it just so happened because we're at Jurisdictional Conference, there's not a lot going on yet. Uh, Bishop Huey shows up and I'm like, come on, let's go. Let's do this. <laughs> because, because the thing that's interesting to me is that I really think it's time for us to start having conversations about hopes and dreams and a future of the United Methodist Church. We have been bogged down Mm -hmm. in division and toxicity for years. Uh, And it's now sort of coming to the point where churches are voting to leave and some are choosing to Mm -hmm. stay. And so I just thought, you know, first, let's just start. Tell tell us a little bit about your stories is kind of how you became bishops. I mean, I know you were elected, but... um, We'll start with you, Bishop Muller. Just kind of how did you get here to be a bishop? Well, uh, I want to actually go back farther than okay. that to uh, high school years. I didn't grow up in the church. Huh. We really were an unchurched family. And we moved from Kansas City in a wonderful existence as a teenager to Pittsburgh, Kansas. And I thought I'd fallen off the face of the earth. <laughs> and uh, it was halfway through my sophomore year, which is hard. But made friends who uh, were all active in First United Methodist Church, Pittsburgh, Kansas. Wow. And so they did the bring me to MYF, on to Sunday school, finally worship. And so that's where I became a Christian, was in that church. And it was a marvelous church in terms of connecting with the world. And and that changed my life. And so I want to say, partly, I'm a bishop because of that. And my hopes and dreams for the future are based on that experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But as I, I became a bishop because actually it was younger clergy and women clergy in North Texas Conference right after a elect, delegate elections mm-hmm. in, in 2011 said, we think you need to be a bishop. And they went to work. And, and that's, you know, then you do all the stuff you do, but that was basically what started it off. And what year were you elected to bishop? 2012. 2012. Yeah. How about you, Bishop Huey? 
Well, since my colleague here started off with a bit of his history, I'll do that too. So um, I'm a daughter of the church um, and my family has been Methodist for several generations and I'm a Christian because um, in addition to all the church formation with Sunday school and um, youth choir and youth, when I was about 16 or 17, my grandmother um, had gotten um, for Christmas from one of her many um, uh, um, children um, uh, um, a new te uh, the New Testament, the J.B. Phillips version. That was the first, <laughs> the first Bible, first New Testament that was published in quote, modern language. Yeah. You know, prior to that, we were at 1946 in the RSV. And yeah. so, yeah. but anyway, so, and, and so <laughs> she took one look at it, maybe read a paragraph and said she'd take her King James, thank you. And, <laughs> and I was staying with her that summer. My grandfather had passed mm. away and, and she said, here, Janice, you might like this. And she handed me the J.B. Phillips version of the New Testament, which I still have. And mm. uh, I read the whole thing cover to cover. And I, I was just taken with, I mean, I, I mean, it was all in paragraph forms. So that's, I mean, which was new then. And so it was easy for me to read. And, um, and then I got to the part in Galatians 3.28 about in Christ there is no Jew nor Greeks. Um, slave or free, male or female, wow. because we are all one, one. in Christ Jesus. Mm. And I realized that meant me, mm. <laughs> that I was a part of that. And, mm. and it, it changed how I think about things, it changed. Yeah. And so I, I mean, it just made my, um, my um, relationship with God, kind of understanding Jesus, um, and 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 drawn closer because we're all one in Christ Jesus. Hmm. So it, it it shaped it both in terms of who I am. It was as a young woman at that point, a young girl, but also the sense of unity that we all belong together, um, which has certainly found its way into a. In, in, in these days, mm -hmm. um, it's caused me to remember that verse from a different perspective. Um, so anyway, um, I, um, you know, Bob and I served together. We were co-pastors, we were pastors, we were, um, we served country churches, town churches, suburban mm -hmm. churches. I mean, so lots of, um, um, lots of experience and there came a time pretty much like Gary in which, um, you know, some folks came to me and said, you know, you ought to think about this, Janice, you ought to think about mm -hmm. it. You have, you know, you have leadership gifts you could bring. And, um, and so, um, so I did. And so here I am. <laughs> and, um, and here I am. So I'll just stop that. <laughs> yeah, and you were elected in... 96, 1996. 1996. And you retired... Um, in 2016. It's a good long run. It's a long run. Yes, that'd be 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> and we were blessed to, in, uh, in our conference to have you for 12 of those, right? That's right. 12 years. Yeah. yeah, you did. Yeah. Uh, you know, gosh, look back at those days fondly, mm -hmm. considering all that's happened. Yeah, right. You know, um, we do some things on the podcast that don't have anything to do with the Methodist Church. As a matter of fact, the, the college students, some of the uh, 
college students at the church said, we really like to listen to the podcast. Not so much the Methodist stuff. <laughs> not, not so much when, you, when you talk about the United Methodist stuff. So, I mean, I get it. There's a limited audience for all this stuff. <laughs> but I think the, the one of the things I wanted to talk about, and uh, Bishop Muller, that did, he wrote this article, and it kind of caught me because what happened was you announced you were going to retire, and there was a certain group of folks that said, see, you know, uh, traditionalists are being run out of the church. And this is important for me because I'm a traditionalist remaining in the United Methodist Church. And so a lot of what we've done and talked about is what does that look like? How does that work going forward? Because the peop- some of the folks who are leaving say traditionalists can't stay mm-hmm. in the United Methodist Church. If you're a traditionalist, you have to leave. There's going to be no room for you. There'll be no space. You'll be forced to do things you don't want to do. And then you came out after you, you announced your retirement and everyone said, see, there's no room for people like Bishop Muller. And then you wrote this, what I thought was a really fascinating piece about your love and your commitment for the United Methodist Church, but also some things that we need to do to restart. And I just wanted to walk through a couple of these principles, and I'd love to hear from both of you. But mm-hmm. you, you say the United Methodist Church will be shaped by Jesus's mandate for unity. And when I was talking to you, I think a couple of weeks ago, you know, we use this word compatibilist. And you said, I think you said, I don't really like that word as yeah, much I did as say unity. That. <laughs> yeah. yeah, talk about this this being shaped by the mandate of unity, because I love this, and I, I think that would be a good place to start. So let me explain why I don't like it. I think that would be fair. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I consider compatibility more a psychological mm-hmm. term, and I want to root our togetherness more deeply in Christ. And so for that. me, it's a very simple thing because it's like, well, you're compatible because that's how you're wired mm-hmm. instead of mm-hmm. we're together because we're intentionally in Christ. Yeah. So No, I love that. I yeah. think it's great. It was an awakening for me. Yeah. Yeah. So the other part of it was I, I realized that we, we tend to focus on other parts of Scripture and what Jesus says when they happen to align with what we already think right. instead of taking seriously where he's just clear as could be and then Paul is clear as to be. And it, it seems to me that that is one of the major starting points for us mm-hmm. is that unity. And you were talking about it earlier, Janet. Mm-hmm. And that should shape how we do things. Absolutely. And mm-hmm. that, you know, yeah. we assume unity is something we do when we agree. Yep. And Jesus right. said, no, it's something you do. Yeah. And then you grow into agreement more as you do it. And that, I mean, that's just my kind of take on it. And it's, I, have, I have been shaped by that passage in the last year uh, more deeply than I ever have. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I, think it's, I think it's become a centerpiece for us, like at our, at our church. We have a study group of lay people that have been going through this, these conversations for the last month and a half, two months. And there are people who are on the right side and the left side, Republicans, Democrats, you know, mm. theologically kind of it would interpret some of these things on human sexuality different. Very different. And we've just talked so much about this unity mm-hmm. and they value that. That's right. And it's like we don't have a vote because a vote would mm-hmm. be divisive. It would yeah. like pit people against yeah. each other, and create winners and losers. And so how do, they're rest, really wrestling with this, you know, mm-hmm. and, and they have fears, too, and concerns like everyone else. But man, the, the value for unity, I think, is important. I mean, Jesus prayed for it, you know, right. this mm-hmm. long prayer at the end of his ministry in the Gospel of John. Paul, if you read his letters, when he gets down to the essence of it, I mean, it's a lot about keeping these divided mm-hmm. members of these churches that are formed together. 
on this this mandate of unity. But what happens is people who are leaving or you know uh, being dismissive of of the denomination, which there's a lot to criticize, of course, are saying, "Well, you're just making unity. You're turning unity into an idol." And I don't know how to. I mean, I. I'm like, no, unity's not an idol, but unity is God. When you read in Ephesians chapter 1, it says, you know, that, that Christ will put all things together, bring all things together in heaven and on earth. And so there seems to be that unity is a central part of the gospel from beginning to end, and yet it doesn't seem to be valued. Well, we're living in a culture that's got a lot of focus on I, we, I, me. I mean, that's that's the cultural context in which we're mm. trying to have a conversation about us, about um, we, about us being together, yeah. um, and um, and so. It, there's a lot of push and pull just coming from the outside in mm-hmm. um, that makes it hard for those who want to say it's not the I, it's the we. It's um, that mm-hmm. God called us, Jesus showed us um, the way for us to be one. Mm. And it doesn't mean everybody got to agree with everybody else. In yeah. fact, true unity, I would suggest, is it is when we don't all have the same opinion, um, which is generally no trouble in a United Methodist Church. It's got more than 10 people, they're different opinions. And so to be able to say, it's not about we all have to do the same thing. It's really about this calling, um, this deep spiritual yearning that I think God placed in us yes. that we may be one. Yeah. If I can kick off that, I think the, for me, in addition to that, when we relate to Christ mm. deeply as the head of the body, it's amazing how he helps us relate to each other mm-hmm. <laughs> in ways we can't mm-hmm. do on our own with each other. Yes. And so for me, that, that growing in depth and closer relationship with Jesus actually enables me to be in deeper unity with folks because he pulls me into contact with people that I might want to say, well, you know, another time. Right. Right. Yeah, it's it's interesting. There was a church that had a sort of a little write-up about why they wanted to disaffiliate. And at the beginning it said, you know, we we have irreconcilable differences or irreconcilable divisions. Well, and, that and may be the most non-biblical statement <laughs> right, I've right, heard right, in right. a That's while. You're right. I mean, you're looking at then the language of divorce. Yeah. This right. is not disaffiliation. Yes. You're looking now at judicial language of familial splitting. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 And it was just interesting to me because there's a friend of mine who wrote a book on unity <laughs> and, and he goes to that church and he's just like, That's just that's it's not scriptural. Yeah. <laughs> it's not it's scriptural not. at all. And yes. so here you are. Here we are as a church, and we're we've adopted. I think there's so much cultural yeah. tribalism, right. Yeah. Right. you know, sectarianism. Yeah. We've split ourselves up, and and we've only defined ourselves by what we're against, the over againstness mm. of yeah. the culture, yeah. right? Yeah. And so I think that's that's seeped in a lot to this. But you even mentioned that you know there, uh, people are desiring ways because they believe there's irreconcilable differences. Um, but this is not for those of us who live in the heart of Methodism. And you say we're eager to embrace and live boldly into the unity that Jesus calls for, even if it seems difficult in light of our recent history. 
And I think that's, um, mm. I think that's key. Um, yeah. We did a, a sermon series on Ephesians, mm. and it just, when you really dive into it and you realize that unity is, God is unity. Yeah. It's not something you build, it's not something you create, it's not right. something you craft, it is, it exists, and you either participate in it or you don't. Yeah. It's a choice that we make. Yeah. Um, right. I, I, think that, uh, I think that's a really important point. And what I really like about this is you said the United Methodist Church going forward is going to be shaped by this mandate for unity. And one of the dreams that I have is that even in our differences, whether we may have a tr more traditional understanding of mm -hmm. human sexuality or more progressive understanding of, of human sexuality, can we now be a church that focuses on unity and not uh, agreement of an interpretation on certain things? And what will that look like if we are a denomination that's rooted around the mandate of mm. unity mm. rather than mm. fighting about everything all the time. How long have, how long have we been fighting about this stuff? Oh, since the century? 1970s. Mm -hmm. You know, some would say longer than that, sure. but certainly by the time we got to the 1970s. Officially. Officially, <laughs> since, we've been yeah, involved in this. 50 years. Yeah. I, I remember, uh, people may not know, but like at General Conference, they have the bishops preside. So you're like the presiding officers. So it's like Congress. You're like Speaker of the House, right? I remember there was a one year, I don't remember what it was, and it was very controversial, arguing about it. you were in the chair. You were presiding. And I thought, man, first off, you did amazing in what is like this crazy difficult situation. And then I thought, I would not want to be Janice Huey right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure she wanted to be here right then. <laughs> I mean, you just have no idea. It'd be like being in, you know, trying to manage Congress with, you know, 850 people, and they all want to speak, and they all want to take over, and they all want to make motions or whatever. I was like, oh, no. no, no. And they're from all over the world. And they're from all over the world. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so you, don't, you have to have translators. Yeah. Yeah. And, people. You, and people like me have to talk slowly enough that the <laughs> translators can keep up with you. Yeah. So. Bishop, you, I remember you saying one time that um, really in our Methodist hymnal, we sing unity. You know, it's a part of the, mm. the, the hymns that we've always sung. Can you just mention and talk about that just for a second? Well, I, I mean, some of our most important hymns and many of our Wesleyan hymns do speak of unity. I mean, the church is one foundation yeah. is the most obvious of the, the sense mm. of unity. But we can look through um, many others um, and, um, you know, Love divine, all loves excelling and get this kind of Wesleyan understanding. It's unity is not just among people, um, but rather it's heaven and earth yes. touching each other. Mm. It's um, it's those who are here um, in the living, breathing. But those, I mean, today is All Saints Day. It's a time to, um, to remember those, quote, above, as the hymn yeah. would put it. Um, but, but they're really above and below and around. Um, that's, it's a unity of depth and height and breadth. Mm. I mean, that's, it's the language of faith. Yeah. Um, and it's in many of, in many of the hymns, especially mm. the Wesleyan hymns. Um, 
I'd have to sit here a minute and just come up with some more, but those yeah, are the no. ones that come um, quickly to mind. I remember you saying that it's at one point that there's uh, there's more language around us, we, than there is around me, I, Absolutely. In, our, in our hymns, you know? I Absolutely. Think that's, that's one of the things you hear too, and, and one of the rationale that I've talked to a lot of folks in churches, and they said, we want to own our property. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we, I, I, we want to own our building. And I'm just like, I remember Will Willimon said not long ago when we had him on, and he was like, you know, my building, my church, my property, because yeah. there's nothing in the Bible about Christian real estate, Yeah. you know, yeah. or a building or property to be the church. And yet it's become that, that thing now, mm -hmm. you know. And it also fascinates me when people say, we got to get back to Wesley but we got to get rid of the trust clause. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, John Wesley created the trust clause. Uh, These two things do not go together. I know. <laughs> the other thing you said, the second principle you listed on this, um, this restart document you wrote was that United Methodist Church is going to be a church where moderates and traditionalists are truly welcomed, valued, and respected members. And this has been an important thing for me to lift up because I, I, in the United Methodist Church, people who are, are traditionalists and believe in, in and read the Bible and have a high authority of Scripture believe in a traditional understanding of human sexuality. And then I define progressives. Matt would put himself more in that camp mm -hmm. as people who have a high view and authority of Scripture, but you know, see that they have, as they read and interpret Scripture that the opportunity for uh, same-sex marriage or things are, are opportunities that can enter into a covenant mutual relationship. And what I think the threat for a lot of the folks who have been leaving and some friends of mine from the Southeast is they, they're traditionalists and their churches are traditional. You know, they want to be inclusive, but they're not really sure what that means. Is someone going to force me to do something yeah. against my belief, against my conscience? Am I going to have to change certain things? And I like how you state this. Talk a, a little bit about a church that's going to have room for traditionalists in the future going forward, because if you listen to some of the talking points of people leaving, there won't be any room for traditionalists. Mm -hmm. I, I think I want to start with the fact that traditionalists and moderates are staying. I mean, this is this is reality, and they want to stay. And I think that given the context that that what happens when when you've got folks leaving and folks staying. It, can kind of pretty quickly get into an us versus them, them almost right. a, a right. winning thing. Yeah. And so people go into mode to prevail. And in that context, I think it's really important. Take a step back mm -hmm. and say, we're not going to do that. You really are welcome and you're welcome uh, with your beliefs. Now, this is, of course, all based on the notion that folks who are in the heart of United Methodism want to be together and are willing to live together, just like you all were talking mm -hmm. about mm -hmm. a moment ago. Mm -hmm. But I think in the United Methodist Church right now that progressives and centrists need to say that, and I think moderates and traditionalists need yes. to hear that. There's a, an intentionality right. in this season, I guess is how yes. I would best yeah. put it. That's well said, I, an I intentionality. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, speaking to traditionalists, we, ha we, we, we did a, 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 a podcast with Russ Levinson, who's the rector at St. Martin's Episcopal Church here in Houston. Mm -hmm. And of course, the Episcopal Church has already been through all this. Right. Mm -hmm. um, they allow marriage and ordination, but at St. Martin's, they don't do same-sex weddings and their, their priests don't. And 
they live within this, you know, he's a, a big John Stott, uh, was his mentor, and John Stott told him, you know, don't leave, you know, stay at the table. Um, and he said, not always easy, but what, what are your thoughts? What do you say to traditionalists in the United Methodist Church as we go forward? I mean, I, I attend on a regular basis a church that would, I'm pretty confident, would have many more traditionalists than, um, than it, it, I guess you would say maybe they're moderates, but it's kind of how you shade those definitions mm -hmm. there, but many more. Um, you know, I live in a rural county seat town mm -hmm. in Texas, so <laughs> that kind of gives you a, at least a little bit of the sense of, of that. And I, I say to them and have said, you know, friends, I've been coming to this table of Holy Communion, which we, we practice Holy Communion every Sunday. I've been coming up here uh, to um, taste the bread and drink the, the vine. Um, I mean, for me now, you know, 50 plus years. And, and so, and we've been kneeling beside each other mm -hmm. for all these years, even though we've got differences <laughs> of opinions on any number of things. Um, and so why do we need to split? I mean, what, I mean, at the table we are one Amen. because that's where Christ's unity resides most deeply is in the body of Christ himself. So um, I don't, I, I just, from my perspective, I can't for the life of me see why if we've been holding out our hands to receive the body and blood of Jesus, for decades, um, being just, it's just that now we're talking about them and now we're making them bigger than they were. Yeah. Um, to me, that's what's happening. It's become, instead of the focus being on the body of Christ, the focus is on the difference we have on a particular subject for yeah. pity's sake. Yeah. Um, so yeah. it's, and, and it's then we've taken something that's just one thing that's a part of the whole and made it the whole. The whole. And we've made it an essential. Yes, mm. we've made it mm. an essential. And divorce um, and remarriage wasn't essential. Yeah. Women in ministry wasn't essential. You know. Well, they were hard. <laughs> those I know. Were I know. I know. Yeah. And and the book of discipline changed on those issues absolutely through it the did. years. It absolutely um, did. And and now we're in the midst of this issue. And I'm sure that when they were changing the language. Uh, back in the from the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s on divorce and remarriage, I would imagine a lot of people were sitting around really upset. I don't know if they would have thought about a church split over it, but right. Well, we were in a we were in a culture at that point. I mean, the larger culture. I'm not talking about church culture. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking about mm -hmm. a larger culture that was much more focused on we and mm -hmm. us right. working together. And now we're mm -hmm. in a in a church cult, in a world culture that pushes us apart, mm. um, and it's it, and it's what we're talking about earlier. It's the focus on now around us is the focus on I and me, and um, where what we had in the 40s and the 50s and certainly before then was a focus in the external culture that was on mm. us. Yeah. Um, and John, you've often said too that we live in a culture where there's the the value isn't the contention of ideas, 
um, to work towards uh, maybe a new way or a third way of looking at something, but it really is about winning and losing. Mm -hmm. And I think when you do that, you suck all the curiosity out. Even right. as a progressive, like I'm curious about this. I don't know at the end of the day, right? I'm curious, is the spirit up to something mm -hmm. that if I'm not curious, I'll miss, Yes. right? Um, that's the thing that drives me towards my progressiveness, quote unquote, but in the middle of that, I'm asking all the time, what does scripture say? Mm. What does Jesus say? You know, all those things. And um, I, I think that's the thing that sits at the center of that mm -hmm. uh, for both traditionalists, moderates, progress. I mean, that's the thing that we have to yeah, hold. Yeah, I'm not in the same place I was 10 years ago. I don't think any of us are. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that I'm more liberal or more progressive. I mean, what it does is I've actually, the way I look at it is I've matured and I'm challenging myself on this issue that I have struggled with and I say, but I, I can't use a different set of interpretive rules for that. And when I'm willing to look through a Wesleyan lens of grace around divorce and remarriage, which is explicitly prohibited by Jesus himself, like more than one time, does that make sense? So it's like for me as a conservative, orthodox, <laughs> traditional Wesleyan, it's like there's got to be consistency. So there's got to be a theological underpinning of your interpretive, mm -hmm. the way that you interpret right. scripture. So, uh, both, several of you said something that really struck me and that's ideas. Mm. Mm -hmm. It seems so much of where we are is caused by our fixation on ideas that's right. and theory. <laughs> and, and so instead of spending time together, People. kneeling together, praying together, sharing passion mm. about reaching mm. people together, doing, we're stuck in getting our ideas perfected yeah. and getting our ideas winning. Mm. And I just, I'm just amazed by how much of what we're going through right now is in this world of ideas, which matter, mm -hmm. don't, you know, I'm not against yeah. that, but we're missing the richness of actually living mm. and right. experiencing yeah. what That's it true. means to be in yeah. unity and to be curious and to trust yeah. enough to explore mm -hmm. and to grow. Yeah. And uh, let me just say, and to just add a footnote to what you're saying, Gary, I mean, we haven't talked a lot yet um, about the work of the Spirit. Mm -hmm. And I do believe the Spirit is at work. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know how. I never, you know, I'm not um, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not brave enough or, under, um, you know, smart enough to figure out in uh, all the places Spirit is. But I know that where Jesus is, where the divine is, God, the Holy One, there's the spirit at work. And I try to keep looking for those places yeah, um, to um, call me out of my stuckness, mm. of whatever my yeah. stuckness is. Yeah. Um, and to say, um, you know, this, there's, there's energy, there's life, there's excitement, there's new possibilities, there's tons of curiosity, yes. just waiting for us to move toward what that which toward the, the spirit is beckoning us. You know, what's interesting yeah. about that is in, in Will Willimon's new book, he says, that, he says what's, what's happening in instigating trouble in your church are not these issues we disagree on. It's Jesus. Jesus is the prime instigator. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so you're confronted with these ideas that you have differences on. I have not seen one church, even I don't even care if they say they voted 100% to disaffiliate uh, you, you can't tell me that every single person in that church 
thinks exactly the same way mm -hmm. on the issue. It's just yeah, not possible. Right. Now, they may be voting for unity for their church, but there, there's just different ways that we swim in this. And speaking of beliefs, your third thing is that United Methodist Church is going to embrace a living Orthodox faith and a lifelong Wesleyan faith formation. You know, we're also told that if we stay in the United Methodist Church, we're not Orthodox. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, that that one's kind of crazy to me. But um, and ev everybody that that I say that they say that's crazy too. And then and then when you say, well, our doctrine is pretty clear. You can't say you, you can't even change it. They'll go, oh yeah, but you know, it's like seatbelts if you don't use them, and no one's going to yeah. follow it. No one's going to do it. What are your I, I, I have to say I'm a little offended when I, I yeah. mean, I've heard that too. And yeah. I, I'm, I'm offended by it because it, 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 I mean, it's clearly aimed at people like me. And so <laughs> I feel much more an object than a relationship. And yes. I, my life is, and my faith is centered in relationships. That's right. Relationships with the holy and relate, it's God and neighbor. So relationships with people, and that does not feel relational. That feels like transactional. It feels like I'm being an object. And so I'm just saying, I, it's a little combination of I'm offended and I have my feelings hurt about it. Mm -hmm. And I'll get over it, but that doesn't make me not want to own that I'm offended. Yeah, and I think that what happens mm -hmm. in that is it's this weaponization mm -hmm. and it becomes a way of separating me from you or you from someone else and these people are, are just fighting as a way to get position. I, I, you know, what I, what I long for is this sense in which we'd all take, take our beliefs more seriously and allow ourselves to be formed more by them. I mean, we are so formed by the culture. Mm -hmm. What does it mean to really be formed? Yeah. And I think if we journey together in that, it gets us to a very mm -hmm. different point. I got in trouble, yeah, I get in trouble regularly, but this was <laughs> statewide trouble. Uh, <laughs> because uh, I did an interview after uh, one of our large churches, I handled the first discernment meeting. And uh, the, the reporter for the Democrat Gazette, which is actually one of the largest papers in the Southeast now, asked me questions. And, and I talked about the fact that when it comes to orthodoxy, there are people who veer left into kind of a Unitarianism and New mm -hmm. Age stuff, and there are people who go right, and it's fundamentalism, but also we're seeing it more manifested by Christian nationalism. Yeah. And, and I, I think that's true, and I, I got toasted because people were claiming I was saying everyone who was traditionalist was a Christian nationalist, which of course I wasn't. But, but what I, I do think one of the challenges we have is we need to kind of have some guardrails mm -hmm. and deal with people on the edges. Mm -hmm. I don't think there are that many of them. I mean, I mm -hmm. think the, the, the vast majority are in the middle, but I do think it's helpful on either side. Yeah. And I live in a part of the world where there's a lot of stuff happening around nationalism in parts of my state, sadly, mm -hmm. Christian nationalism. And I think it's important to address that in the right. same way it is other things, but that's just a part of what you do. It, it's, you know, and you do it because you have to do it, but it's not, oh my gosh, look at all these horrible people. It's, I, I agree, that's the richness of who we are in the middle. Mm -hmm. we, we are part of an Orthodox church and yeah. we believe that. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think that you, you said in, in your fourth points, kind of over something we already talked about, is 
especially around human sexuality, living into a may, not a shall church. You know, mm -hmm. so church may do a wedding, but they're not required to do a wedding. That would be a local church decision or a local mm -hmm. pastor decision. Right. But you, you made a point that all of us who are going to live in the United Methodist Church will need to be comfortable with this creative tension. Now that's really aspirational because I don't think we do. I don't think we do creative tension creative very well. Creative tension. Yeah. Uh, and the other thing, it's like I, I, I keep referring to some of these. You know, I saw uh, uh, arguments for disaffiliation for a local church, and it was just it, it's it was so the the committee was just so one sided, just blatantly like talking points. And I know there are people in this church that are in a different place, and there was no sense of empathy or nuance mm. or gentleness or mm. just because, you know, th th again, it goes to the winning and losing. So I got to make my case on the ideas. And what a lot of these churches, I tell them, it's like, think about the other side of this vote. Right. I got a letter from a guy at a church in our conference that voted to leave. And he's been watching us online. And he's like, you know, there's been no attempt to, for the 26, 7% of us that voted to stay there's been no attempt to reach out to us or to tell it's just we've mm. just moved on you know and i think that's sad so i think that the, the point you make about the creative tension mm -hmm. i don't know that we do that well in our society but man that's going to be something that we have right. to work on yes well i think i think kind of fundamental to the broad middle is you've got to be willing to enter into that Mm -hmm. Because, you know, there's, there's a long time when I tried to work around these issues, you know, with unity here and mission here. But ultimately, it's that relational dynamic of how are people going to relate. Yeah. And they've got to be yeah. willing mm -hmm. to live with the differences as long as they're not forced. And, I, you know, it comes down to that. Mm -hmm. And if we have that, then people can be in the broad middle. If not... Yeah, you know they need to go. Yeah. And that's why else. I tell traditionalists, you need to stay. Yeah, we need to stay. I mean, if you if you say you're going to have, you know, to use the term the broad church or some big tent, more secular term, right? But if you believe that, then you need to have voices, different voices, differing voices uh -huh. that, like you say, that share the table yeah. together. Mm -hmm. And and not just vo voices, but then I'm what I'm hearing all say is relationships yeah. that are contend contingent upon like sharing meals together, knowing each other, so right. that there's not this amorphous like voice that's coming out uh, accusing people of certain things, right? Um, that's where, where I think there's this right. idea of use it weaponizing orthodoxy, quote unquote, on on a side that this feels like it's disingenuous and it feels it feels weaponized, like you had said, um, Bishop, and and I think that. The, the antidote to that is always relationship. It's always yeah. relationship. The antidote to all this is sitting down. Like I don't know, is it? Uh, I forget who said that it's hard to it's hard to hate somebody uh, close up, <laughs> you know. Um, and so when you're sitting across the table from someone, mm -hmm. um, I'm not going to say the same thing I might if I'm tweeting it out, you know, at <laughs> <laughs> two in the morning. So I think, right. you know, <laughs> don't get me started on yeah. Twitter. Yeah. 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 I, I think you know people say, well, the church is going to move in a more progressive direction. Well, the whole the whole country has moved in a in a more about certain things yeah. Yeah. and this is sort of the 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 battle right why people are so activated to hold the line to win elections or all these sorts of things and my my whole um, argument in this is are you going to be a church that stays engaged in the culture right so that you can be a transforming influence for the kingdom of God or are you going to pull back and cloister yourself 
close the doors and say, all right, only the people that, you know, we're not, we're not going to be a part of any of these things because we're yeah. the church of the pure doctrine. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I, I just, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I keep remembering, well, like, you know, Jesus came for the sinners, only the sinners, you know, <laughs> right. came for the sinners, <laughs> only the sinners. And I think we forget that yeah. and when we pull away and, and separate ourselves. Um, you, you, you also say that the United Methodist Church will be uncompromisingly connectional. What does it mean? Mm. Because part of, the, part of the churches that are leaving, and I think this is one legitimate argument some small churches have, is you say we're connectional, but what do we get out of this? Tra- you know, the transactional mindset that you said that's so big now. They're like, we didn't get anything out of this. We send money and we get nothing except bad pastors and uh, whatever else, you know? I mean, and sometimes I go, that's not a bad argument. I mean, how do we talk about connectionalism, which was central to John Wesley's idea of the church? Right. Well, we've now kind of confused um, the connectionalism with organizationalism. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so um, yeah. I, I, um, so I, I want to try to, Wesley is for connectional, and the, and we've gotten these big, I think we're going to need, now this is me talking again, much flatter organizations mm-hmm. and, 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 and to bring us closer in again to connection, human connection, yes. not, not, not an org chart connection, yeah. human connection and relationship um, with those both a part of the community of faith and with our neighbors for Pete's sake, the, you know, the, mm-hmm. our, the people who live around us, um, or we live around them. Um, so, um, uh, yeah, I've, I've spent a good bit of my Episcopacy trying to help us move away from s- more org, <laughs> more organization and toward relationship. Mm-hmm. I think the other part of it is it's become synonymous with money. Yes, that's in, it. In between, yeah, I, I've been thinking what it would be like if, if because it is based on relationship, mm-hmm. if we really learned from the local church mm-hmm. about what connectionalism's like, mm-hmm. because different kinds of people with different beliefs are connecting deeply. They're often out in the community. And, and so I, I, I think it would be fascinating because we're going to be forced to make changes because of finances and some other things. How do we learn from local churches as we develop this new connectionalism? I think the other challenge in it is sometimes in the U.S. we get caught up in just our world, but we're a global church. And how do we have conversations and relationships that we begin to take that into account in new ways? Yeah, and the structure thing, we had Bishop Mayumbo on. We had a conversation and, you know, the African church plans to remain United mm-hmm. Methodist. They right. deeply value the connection of the church. And, uh, but he said, you know, we, we're going to have to move away. I mean, America's going to have to be willing to be a regional conference and step back. Yeah. They don't know the table. Is, because what huh. most people don't know about United, it's, it's an American denomination. It started in America. It was mm-hmm. grew in America. It was a, one of the biggest denominations in our, in the history of Protestant. And then it went out overseas and as we developed you know America was like the main conference Mm -hmm. and all the others were minor league uh, you know minor leagues and so their governance and everything is like lesser than 
always mm-hmm. thought it was interesting that now half of the United Methodists are in Africa, and they come over to General Conference for 13, 14 days, and, you know, 90% of it, doesn't, of whatever is talked about, doesn't have anything to do with them it, most mm-hmm. of the time, right? Absolutely. And, and I think for us to put, to, to part of that restructure is to move out of that colonialistic kind mm-hmm. of pass of how we organize and to put ourselves on an equal playing field, you know, as, like you said, everyone now is at the table equally. And I think that's something that's going to be a part of the connection as well. That don't need to be important. I I absolutely agree. I mean, we've needed that for some time. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think there'll be a number of changes out. I mean, obviously there have to be a number of changes given the situation we're in. And one of them will be this move to regional conferences Mm -hmm. and the U.S. being a regional conference. Mm -hmm. And then the regional conference and probably the conversation will be over what what authority will belong to the regional conferences mm-hmm. and what authority will remain with the whole. Um, and then, what, of course, what authority stays with the local church. So there'll be some, you know, there'll be some, a lot of conversation. It's going to take around. time. I think people right, think yeah. 20, well, I think, I think yeah. people yeah. think 2024 is just yeah. going to solve all the problems. Yeah, yeah. No, and I think, I think the other part of it is you have a regional conference. How do you work? to keep that richly diverse so that all voices are at the table. That's right, that's yeah. right. That yeah. is, uh, yeah, yeah, Bishop Mumbo and I were conversation partners uh, along with uh, Bishop Yambasu and some others on a something that was called the Overlapping Regional Conference Plan, yeah, yeah, yeah. which was submitted, and we were working on that. And I, I know that one of the concerns that, that Africans have is that mm. will there be a group in the U.S. we can truly relate And this is just, I think, all the complications and nuances of it's never as simple as it seems. And um, I I think we, I think you're right. You got to flatten the regional conference idea, and that who does what, when, and how. That's wonderfully said. I think that's Mm -hmm. spot on. Well, and I think we'll see more conference to conference relationship building. Um, um, we already are. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's for one thing. That's well underway. Um, So we'll see more conference to conference and you know, and, and maybe we'll structure it that way. I don't know. But, I mean, I don't know what they'll finally decide. And that'll be a general conference. But yeah. Yeah. Um, it's Everybody's time. got the cough these days. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody has the cough. There was a lady coughing at church last week. And I just wanted to throw her my bottle of water. But everybody's got it. It's kind of the, but the last thing you talk about the mission of the church. This is the thing that I think breaks my heart the most is that because we can't find unity, it will impact in, and harm the mission. It has already. The aggregated has. mission has. of the church. The, the, one of the United Methodist Church's great strengths was the way we're able to help in the world, the difference that we make in the world and in communities through disaster relief. Like I think about Hurricane Harvey, you know, here in Houston mm. or so many other places. Uh, the work we do overseas, Africa University, all these sorts of great, wonderful things. And those things are going to be hit as well. And, um, <clears throat> and I just, I lament that, but I do have hope. I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, you, you refer to as it a, as a restart, um, a reformation, you know, we're around reformation day. I think it's good to, to think about this is an opportunity. Uh, like mm. you said, the Holy Spirit is involved in this and there's a lot of things to lament, mm. but what do we find are the, the, the pieces of hope in this? So as we kind of, wind this down. I mean, 
<laughs> to all of you. You know, what are you hopeful about yeah. in these days? You know, I'm I'm hopeful um, in, for any number of things, but I'll, you know, as the Spirit leads us into envisioning what um, we um, at TMF like to call a new Wesleyan ecosystem, I think, uh, which is more diverse, yeah. when that's the language of ecosystem, I mean, a healthy ecosystem is very diverse. And so there's room for everybody. <laughs> There's room for everybody and nobody, and you can, each body can, you can be who you are. Um, um, just like if we were walking through the forest and you have, you know, we've got that. I think, um, I think we'll be looking, um, I'm hopeful and I'm hopeful that we'll begin to rethink um, f Christian formation um, Mm -hmm. in um, a much more relational way than we we have been yeah. and and so it it's it, it will be neighbor to neighbor friend to friend and speaking of one of Matt Russell's favorite <laughs> phrases I mean this whole understanding of friendship mm -hmm. and Christian friendship mm -hmm. where I think I Methodists were great at that. That was the yeah. classes, bands, and societies. There were deep friendships formed in Absolutely. those groups, and um, that's now open to us again. If we're as we step away from the focus on structure and organization, we can step toward relationships um, with one another, with God, and maybe most importantly with our neighbors, um, whoever they are. Um, so I, I mean. I could keep going, but I'll quit because I, I think I, um, I, I think the spirit is is leading us. I mean, we have to be attentive to it and follow and take risks and be courageous. Um, but this, I, God has never abandoned us. I mean, any more than God abandoned the Israelites in the wilderness. Right. So it's like, okay, friends, let's remember who we are and reach out and. Um, I, I think it'll look very different. I mean, I, I, I do think the next few years particularly will look very different. Um, but um, I, I think the Holy Spirit's at work and we just need to sort of hang on and keep going. <laughs> Amen. So this may sound simplistic, but I really believe it. God is still God. Jesus is still Lord and the Holy Spirit's still the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and that gives me hope because it's not all on my shoulders. <laughs> and I, I got to think the fact that we're having conversations like this is very hopeful. The fact that in Arkansas, I see people coming together and taking the initiative at the grassroots level to have conversations and talk about unity. So people Beautiful. you would think would not spend any time with each other are engaged in ministry around food ministry. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a guy named Michael Bolin mm -hmm. who grew up uh, pastor in, in Greenland, uh, way north Missouri border, who uh, is a traditionalist, uh, grew up blue collar, and he is partnered with a guy named Blake Lassiter who is at Eureka Springs. And I don't know if you know Eureka Springs, Janice does, but it's kind of out of place in Arkansas in a lot of ways. But they are doing it's the feeding. Austin of Arkansas. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> feeding ministry together. They have put out a series of videos about being in community together. And, and Blake yeah. said, 
through this feeding ministry, I have learned that it's not about focusing on our difference of ideas. Mm. That's it's right. about being in ministry together. That's right. Right. When I have a, a pastor call me and she says, I'm representing a, a group of moderate conservatives and we want in and we want to be part of it. When I see, uh, we have almost every church in Arkansas involved in a feeding ministry. We're moving into literacy and healthy. When I see those things happen, and when I see people still professing uh, faith in Christ as Savior and Lord, that's what gives me hope. That's great. That's great. Very nice. Well, I want to thank you all for coming yeah. over. You had an early morning meeting with, what's it like to meet with the uh, you know, Episcopacy Committee is a committee, I think that what they signed bishops, right? Mm -hmm. And so when you're retiring, which you're retiring at the end of this year, that meeting just got to be coffee and donuts, right? Well, it, yeah. I, <laughs> I mean, basically. <laughs> hey, good job, well, Bishop. <laughs> and, and actually, what, I got to share these ideas with them. And Wonderful. in some detail, we had conversation around it. That was, that was for me, yeah. just invigorating. Well, we're going to put this article in the show notes, too, so when people, if they access it, um, it'll go out so that people can read it process mm -hmm. it and digest it. I think it's really, I think it's really well done. And it was, it just caught me because, um, a lot of my energy has been speaking to traditionalists. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, and, and I do agree that I think I, I tell people, I think the vast majority of United Methodists, especially in the Southeast and South Central, I think more are traditionalists mm -hmm. and they have been presented with this, this, uh, false, false truth <laughs> yeah. that, yeah, you know, yeah. you can't Choice. stay if you're traditionalist. Yeah. But I, I see a lot of them that they want to and they want to discover. Mm -hmm. They're afraid too, and so I think we need to speak to that. And there needs to be some time go by to where they see that what's being said mm -hmm. is going to be honored, that they're going to be valued. And I think if that happens in churches and among pastors, then I think we're going to be in a much better place. Right. But, it, but we're kind of going through the shuffle, right? Yeah, I think so. And it, it's sort of what we're going through, what really bothers me the most is it's too reflective of like cable news and U.S. politics. And we're the church. Like you said uh, back in the day when we went through whole things of change of divorce and remarriage, we were a different culture. It was more about we. So we, we, did, we weren't happy about it, but we went through it together. And that's not who we are today. But the church should always be that. The church should not cede to the cultures because the cultures lost the we-ness, right, mm -hmm. of, of, right. Uh, of culture yeah. identification. Yeah. We shouldn't lose that. Right. I mean, if, if unity really is important. I, I just think what a gift to our world modeling what unity looks like. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because yeah. there are no, not many signs of hope. No. For, to, for and I know. think, I say this all the time, I think that um, how we disagree Mm -hmm. is actually more important then, than then where we that end we up. Disagree. Than, yeah. than we, where we end up yeah. at the end. Yeah. That's just yeah. my thought. Well, thank you all so much thank for coming. Thank you. Thank Appreciate you. you. Thank you. All right. Well, I'm John Stevens. I'm Matt Russell. And this is Pod Have Mercy. Oh.